Dear Heavenly Father, you reveal yourself to us as the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit. And from eternity to eternity, you have worked in perfect oneness. And by your very existence, you teach us that we're better together. I pray that we would be a church that is unified and uh, diligent to be about your good work. And I ask it in Jesus' name, amen. For about 2,400 years, people have been telling the story of uh, Leonidas and the Spartan 300. I'm sure some of you saw the movie. Um, the history books are actually better than the movie, as you might guess. Uh, Leonidas uh, and 300 Spartans met a unnumbered Persian army. It was so big they couldn't count them. And uh, they met them at uh, Thermopylae, a narrow strip of land where the Persians had to uh, come in uh, because it was the only path through the mountain. And Leonidas and the 300 met them there. And they held them off until the Greek city-states would quit arguing with each other and they got their army together and it kept the Persians from conquering Greece. And as you know, uh, they all died, all 300 of them. And the Greeks built a monument that said, all you who pass by, go tell the Spartans that here in obedience to their law we lie. An incredible epic of, of bravery. But there's a better story than Leonidas and the 300 in the Bible. It's Gideon and the 300. You see, the children of Israel, during the time of Judges, uh, apostatized. God delivered them from Egyptian bondage. He led them through the wilderness. He gave them the promised land, and they rewarded him by worshiping idols. And God said, look, if you're going to worship idols, I'm not going to bless you. And um, when a culture of Bedouin warriors, the, um, uh, the, Median, uh, the Medianites and the Amalekites invaded uh, Israel, they defeated them. When you lost the war then, they took everything. The book of Judges says there wasn't a donkey left in the land. The, 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 the Medianites and the Amalekites took everything. And they came every year at harvest because they stole the crops. So this happened for seven years in a row. And finally, the, the Israelites, they said, we got to have help. 
and they repented and prayed to the Lord. And the Lord sent a prophet to him and said, you're in this condition because you abandoned me. The Lord said, I didn't leave you, you left me. And without me, you can't stand against these warriors. When I read that, I think, how important our relationship to God is. Here, God is always in the blessing business. If I'm not blessed, it's because I've wandered too far away from the source of blessing. God is just always blessing. That's just what he does every single day. But if I'm not careful, my life drifts away from the blesser. And then I start looking around, and my life isn't as good as it once was, and, and, and I start saying, what's up? I mean, everyone in this room and everyone online should do a heart check and say to yourself, what does Jesus Christ really mean to me today? Am I close enough to Christ to be blessed? Or have I cluttered my life with all kinds of things so there's very little room for Christ left in my life. And the Israelites did what everyone should do when their life is a mess. They prayed. They prayed. Prayer is us reconnecting to the God who loves to bless us. Church. Prayer is a deep confidence that God is better than what I think and he's interested in what I have to say to him, and he's ready to help me. They prayed. I, 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 believe, uh, I believe we're better together when we pray together. For 40 years, our church has had a, a week of prayer every year, 40 years. Uh, we do it in the spring and in the fall. And I just asked the church to come together for one hour a day and just pray together. Look, good things happen when you hear somebody pray for you and you pray for somebody else. Uh, I have a life group. We meet every Tuesday morning at 6.30. We pray for each other. I say to the guys in my life group, if we don't pray for each other, we may not get prayed for. Ah, uh, my heart is blessed when I hear men who I enjoy their company pray for me we need to pray together families you need to pray together you're better together when you pray together uh, uh, some, you, some of you families you haven't prayed together in forever get your act together the family that prays together stays together amen and so they prayed and God heard their prayer And God sent a messenger to speak to Gideon. Gideon was hiding in a wine press, threshing some wheat so he would have something to feed to his family. He was hiding because if uh, the Midianites and the Amalekites found him, they'd have stole all the food. 
He's got himself hidden in a wine press as quietly as he can, threshing out this wheat. And the messenger of the Lord meets him and says, you're a mighty man of valor. I can almost hear Gideon. I can almost hear him go, right. If I were a mighty man of valor, I wouldn't be hiding in this, uh, in this uh, wine press, threshing out this wheat. I, I, I'd, I'd be out there taking care of business. God said to Gideon, I see something in you that you may not see in yourself. I'm going to ask you to lead in doing some remarkable things. Do you know what I believe? I believe this room and those online is full of people who God sees more in us than we see in ourselves. Do you hear that? I believe God sees in this room a group of people who have the ability to lead teams to accomplish incredible things. I believe you're here. But I believe you're hiding. I believe you're hiding. Uh, it's just more comfortable not to uh, step up and serve. It, it, it's just more comfortable not, not to fully engage. And so you've organized your life to hide from the big challenge. And I'm praying today that you can hear God say to you, it's time to stop hiding. You are a mighty person of valor, and it's time for you to start giving your best to something that is really important. Church, it's time to stop hiding and get off the couch. It's time to stop hiding and, and, and turn the TV off. It, it, it's time to stop hiding and, and uh, organizing your life to be as easy and as comfortable as you can. And it's time for you to hear God say, there is important things to be done, and I want to use you to do it. Church, we're better together when everyone will say yes to God's call to service. You say, Doc, I, I just don't feel like I have the ability to lead. Well, would you let God define you? Uh, would you accept that God knows you better than you know yourself? And would you accept that he sees qualities in you that you may not see in yourself? He sees uh, abilities in you that you may not see in yourself. And if God says, I want you, who are you to say to God, I don't think I'm good enough? Church? And beside that, God didn't just say to Gideon, you're a mighty man of valor. He also said, the Lord is with you. I will admit that often God asks me to do things that I'm not good enough to do, but he never asked me to do them alone. Church, God does ask us to do hard things, but he never asked us to do it alone. Uh, God said, I'll be with you. And God being with us usually means he sends some people in our lives to help us. God is most with me when he sends good people to help me, church. 
And so our church is, is going to accept some big challenges from God. Challenges that are so big that we need every person to let God whisper to their heart and every person to serve where God has given them abilities and talents or we cannot win in what God is calling us to do. And I believe God wants to whisper to some of you this morning and he wants to hear you say, here am I, Lord, send me. Besides, we do everything we can in this church to help leaders. We never ask you to lead and then just abandon you. We have leadership training programs. We have leadership seminars. This Saturday, we're having a program at Old Brooklyn, and it's specifically designed to help all of us learn all the agencies that are out there to help people. We want to help people, and sometimes that means connecting them to the right agencies. Everybody in this room knows a family that has somebody who's struggling with drugs. There are going to be agencies there that will help us. Uh, uh, we'll, be able, we'll get to know them, and we'll be able to recommend these families to them. Uh, mental health is a real issue, and, and it just gets covered over all the time. We're going to have organizations there that, that we can recommend people to for mental health. Uh, we're going to meet people who run organizations that are spe specifically designed to help people. Um, I, I, we don't have to do all the helping us ourselves. Sometimes we just have to connect them with the right help, right? Uh, so if you, are, if you will say yes to God's call and, and, and you'll, 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 be, you'll be willing to be a group leader, listen, God is with you. He sees in you things that you don't see in yourself, and we're going to do everything we can to get you all the resources you need to succeed in serving God. And there's no reason not to try, church. There's no reason not to try. And then God said to Gideon, Go in this might of yours and save Israel from the hand of Midian. Do I not send you? Gideon did what he did because he had an honest sense that God was sending him. You say, well, Doc, if I had that sense, maybe I would do it too. Okay, how about this? Listen to what Jesus said. All power is given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples. We are as sent as Gideon was. Listen to what Jesus said. As my Father sent me, so send I you. We are as sent as Christ was. Can you hear this? It's not a question, is God sending us? It's a question of, are we going? It's not a question of, is God calling us? The, the, the question is, are we picking up the phone? It's not a question on God's side. It's always a question on our side. Is God calling you to build a team that will do something in our lifetime that will make a difference? Is God calling you to be on a team to do something in our lifetime that will make a difference? And so that night, God said to Gideon, I can't do I can't deliver Israel until 
you deal with this idol issue. Gideon's own clan had idols in the, in the middle of their village. And that night, God said to Gideon, I want those gone. And Gideon and his life group, Gideon and 10 guys, 10 of his friends, they took two um, um, oxen. They took two bulls. And they went to the idol, and uh, there was, uh, Ashtoreth was worshipped by growing certain kind of trees. So there were the Ashtoreth groves, uh, and they, they worshipped this goddess Ashtoreth in these groves. And so there was probably a little grove in the middle of the village with an idol of Baal in it. And Gideon and his ten guys in his life group, they took axes and they chopped the trees down. They took those axes and they chopped up the, 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 the idol of Baal. And they took the wood from the Ashtra trees and uh, they built a fire and they sacrificed one of the oxen to God. Well, in the morning, people got up and saw what had happened and they were livid. I mean, it would be like me getting up in the middle of the night, tearing down the clock tower in Strongsville and uh, going and hiding. Uh, uh, it, would not, it was not a good day. And they did a little asking around and they said, who did this? And they said, Gideon did it. So they go to Gideon's house. Knock on the door. Gideon's dad answers the door. And they said, bring Gideon out, we're killing him. And Gideon's dad said, hey, slow your roll. Uh, what is your problem? And they said, Gideon chopped down the Ashtagrove and, and chopped up the, the Baal. And uh, he's got to die for it. And Gideon's dad said, well, if Baal is God, let him take care of it. That's Baal's problem. If Baal is really God and Gideon really defiled him, then Baal can more than take care of Gideon, but you're not touching him, church. I think we can learn several things from this. We can't ever do really meaningful things with God until we deal with the idols that we've got in our own heart. You say, well, Doc, I don't have any idols. An idol is anything that I put before God in my life. We do have idols. Uh, I'll just touch on some of the easy ones. In America, our, our uh, luxury and our leisure is an idol. How many times have you felt like you should do something, but you just didn't want to get up and do it? And you put your leisure ahead of doing something good. Church? You knew in your heart you should volunteer. You knew in your heart you should help. 
but you also knew in your heart that meant taking off your comfy slippers, putting on your boots, getting up and going and do something. And it was just too much easier to do nothing. Church, when I put my leisure above God, I make it an idol. Let's, let's do another one. For way too many people, your opinions are idols. You've made your opinion into an idol. I know people in this church who stopped being friends because some stupid opinion. One person had an opinion, another person had a different opinion, and they made their opinions more important than friendship. Church, that's making an idol out of my opinions. Here's the point I'm trying to make. I believe God wants to do some astounding things in the world. But he's going to do it through people who will take out the axe and chop down the grove and chop up the idol of Baal. We cannot be putting other things ahead of God. He has to come first. And when he does come first, God protects us, church. If you, if you want to see how this works, we serve God, and then God says, I got your back. Church. And then they chopped down the grove, and they, they, uh, they uh, chopped up the idol of Baal, and then they made an offering, a burnt sacrifice of one of the bulls. And now God says, now I'm ready to do something really, really amazing. I believe God wants to do something amazing in this church in the next five years. And I believe if we'll get rid of some stuff in our heart we need to get rid of, and if we'll offer ourselves as living sacrifices to God, we will be amazed at what God does. So then God said to Gideon, all right, now you've been faithful in this small thing, now we're going to do something really, really big together. This year, the Midianites and the Amalekites, they're not going to traumatize Israel. This year, Israel is going to traumatize them. I have a plan. I want you to call out the army. So Gideon calls out the army, and 22,000 men show up. They're in a big plain in the plain of Jezreel. Uh, you can look it up on your Bible map uh, at, at the plain of Jezreel. And um, the 22,000 guys, uh, they're all in tents and they're camping out and, and, and everybody's milling around. And God looks at that crowd and says, I can't win with this army. God said, if I give you the victory... You'll start patting each other on the back, and you'll forget that I'm the one who gave you the victory. So God said to Gideon, the last thing any commander wants to say to troops, everyone who is afraid, go home. Good thing they didn't say that in Vietnam. There wouldn't have been anybody left. Listen, 12,000 guys put their stuff in their backpack and split. 
And now Gideon's left with 10,000 guys. And God says to Gideon, can't win with this army. Take these guys down to the river. Tell everybody to get a drink. Well, it turns out the guys drank in two different ways. Some of the guys just got down, stuck their face in the water, took a drink. Some of the other guys scooped water up and drank, drank it with their hand. Only 300 guys drank water out of their hand. And God said to Gideon, those are the ones I want. Send everybody else home. Gideon said, did you see the size of the army of the Midianites? And it's not just them. The Amalekites are with them. You're going to send me to fight 100,000 guys with 300 guys. God said, I'll do the fighting. I'm just asking you to go with me. Do you know, sometimes, before God does great things, he has to prune the branches. Do you hear this? Sometimes, before God does things that show how awesome he is, he prunes the branches. The church gets pruned from time to time. Over, uh, over the 40 years I've pastored here, you look around, somebody's, you just don't see him anymore, gone. Or, or I get an email and says, I'm a terrible jerk and I'm never coming back. Okay, uh, listen, listen. God prunes the branches, but he prunes the branches to get us into fighting condition so that we're really, really ready to do awesome things. Because it turns out 300 unified, valiant men can, 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 can accomplish more than 22, uh, a crowd of 22,000 uncommitted men, church. Gideon had 300 hard commandos, and they were worth more than 22,000 uh, uh, people who didn't even really want to be there. Church, there is power in unity. And God said, I want to do something awesome and I want it to be done in the kind of way that people will say, isn't God good? I'd like to say a word about Gideon sending the people home who were afraid. It's fear is a natural thing. There would be no such thing as courage without fear. You couldn't have the virtue of courage without fear. Listen, but fear is also infectious. If we're not careful, we infect each other with our fears. We've had life groups that went bad because somebody infected everybody in the life group with their fear. The life group stopped being about encouragement. It stopped being about inspiration. It stopped being about caring for each other. And it became a session where people just shared their fears. And it ruined the life group because fear is infectious. We've had life group where people infected each other with their criticism. Huh? Somebody went to that life group perfectly happy and content. And then they listened to people criticize for six weeks, and all of a sudden, they got infected with that critical, um, that critical uh, spirit also. 
we, we, we had a life group where uh, the whole life group left the church and went to another church because they had just spent six weeks criticizing the church. Church? That's not what life groups are for. Life groups are not to infect each other with what is worse than us. Life groups are to inspire each other and bless each other and encourage each other with what is best in us. Life is hard enough. People can hear all the criticism they can take just in their daily life. What they need to hear is a little encouragement, a little love, a little kindness, a little inspiration, a little hope. Church? And so... Gideon got his 300 commandos together, and he said, we're going to win this war, but we're going to have to do it in an unconventional way. The 300 of us cannot charge those 100,000 guys, but we don't have to. Gideon said, I'm giving you your weapons. And the first thing he handed them was a, a, a horn. It's probably a shofar. They made these horns out, they made these uh, trumpets out of animal horns. And the warriors went, uh, I guess I could hit somebody with this. Uh, <laughs> and then he handed them all a handmade clay bowl. And they looked at that handmade clay bowl and go, ah, this, is, this, this isn't going to work. Then he handed them all a torch. And he said, what you see me do, I want you to do. And so they lit their torches. They held the bowl over the torch. They put their horn underneath their arm and they surrounded the entire camp of the Midianites. And on Gideon's, uh, on Gideon's clue, they jerked the bowls off the torches, smashed them on the ground, held their torches up, blew their trumpets, and shouted, the sword of the Lord and Gideon. And it was the middle of the night, and the Midianites and the Amalekites thought that people were invading their camp, and in the darkness and in their panic, they started fighting each other. So in their panic, they're killing each other, thinking that they're the enemy. And then there was a great panic, and people just started running out into the night. And God gave Gideon and his mighty 300 a complete victory without the loss of a single man. Church, listen. God knows how to win, and he knows how to win in ways that people say God has to be real. Can you hear me, church? Now, I want to talk to you about uh, our Gideon's challenge for the next five years. We have a plan for the next five years, and each year of the next five years, we're going to emphasize something that we have to emphasize to get our church where I think we should be in five years. This year, we call the year of community. This year, we don't want just 40% of our church in groups. We want all of our church in groups. 
I want everybody to be in a group with other people. I want you to get to know some people. I, I want you to have people in your life who can help you when you need help, who can encourage you when you need to be encouraged. I want you in a group for the good it does for your soul and for the unity it creates in our church. It is our goal this year to inspire everybody to be in some kind of group. And we have, uh, on Main Street, when you came in, you, you saw all those tables. There's a whole bunch of people out there that'd be glad to talk to you about it. If there's not a group that, that, that fits you, we'll help you start a group. Uh, uh, I'm, I'm serious. We're going to start a, uh, a uh, pickleball group. Uh, uh, we're going to have groups. All right. Uh, and I would like you to just experiment with life and see if your life isn't better if you have some other good people in it. Look, I'm asking you to join a group. I'm not asking you to let somebody move into your basement. Uh, uh, we're, uh, I'm asking you to be part of a team that helps other people. Uh, okay. And it's our, it's our desire to uh, uh, have start 100 new groups this year so there's something everybody would be interested in. All right. It's also our strong belief that within driving distance of our three campuses, there are thousands of people who never go to church. Listen, it's not that they don't like God. It's not that they've given up on God. It's they don't like church. God they're okay with, church they don't like. And we believe if we could reach those people in a pleasant way, they would like church. A bunch of you are sitting in church right now who once you said, I hate church and I never want to go again. And here you are today. Uh, there are all kinds of good people out there who who have had a bad church experience, and all they need is some lovely people like us to help them reconnect to Christ. And it's our goal to help 200 of those thousands of people reconnect to Christ this year. Uh, look, there are, there are more than 200 people in this room right now. It, it, uh, if each one of us could just help one person reconnect to Christ this year, we would accomplish that goal. All right. The second year we're calling Connect. This year is community. Next year is Connect. And Connect is we're going to go all out on learning how all of us can have better skills at helping people connect to Christ. I know it makes people uncomfortable. It makes us a little edgy. But the problem is we, we just need to, we, we need to learn easier ways of doing it. And uh, we're going to have we're going to have we're going to do special Sundays. It'll make it easy for you to invite a friend to church. We're going to do all. We're going to have a whole year of emphasis on uh, really, really caring about finding God's lost kids and helping them come home. Um, the third year we call influence. On any given Sunday, five hundred people uh, worship with us online. Uh, you know, that's a pretty big church. Uh, 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 500 people, uh, a lot of churches would like to have 500 people on a Sunday. We have 500 people who watch online. 
And we want to develop a ministry that is much better than what we're doing. Uh, we, we, want, we want to take better care of those people. We want to offer more things. We want to provide a, a, a full ministry to our online congregation. The fourth year, we're calling Lead and Expand. Um, to expand and do ministries we're not doing, we have to have more leaders. So we're gonna have, a whole, we're gonna have an entire year of leadership training and development. If you're not a leader, we'll help you learn some skills. If you are a leader, we'll help you become a better leader. If you're a really, really good leader, we'll, we're going to help you find a more meaningful place to lead. We're going to spend a whole year on developing this leadership idea so that we are capable of expanding into ministries that we can't expand into because we don't have enough leaders. And then the fifth year I like the best, we're calling it the Blitz. We're calling it the Blitz. It is, it is my desire, I think God put it in my heart, when people think of church in Northeastern Ohio, I want them to think of Christ Church. When people think of church, I want them to think of Christ Church. All right, now I want to tell you why that's not egotistical. I don't want them to think of Christ Church because we're such awesome people. I want them to think of Christ Church because we have a reputation for doing things that make people's lives better. Church. Every one of us know there are a lot of churches out there that don't make people's lives better. I'm not picking on them. I'm not criticizing them. That's just a reality. I want us to be a church that people think of because we have a reputation that the things we do make people's lives better. I want us to have the reputation that if somebody, if somebody is in need, we are the place to go. If somebody's life is broken, we are the place to go. If somebody's hurt, we are the place to go. If somebody's happy and healthy, we are the place to go. I want us to serve Christ in the kind of way that we have the reputation of being a place where the Spirit of God helps people. On this Blitz year, we're going to rent a major auditorium somewhere in Ohio. And we're, it, it will be our goal that Sunday to have 3,000 people in that service. Um, uh, we want, in five years, to serve 3,000 people every week. Um, you say, Doc, that's a lot of people. Last Sunday, we had 1,800 and some people in our services. Uh, that's, that's just, we only have to find 1,200 of God's lost kids, and we can make that, that, uh, that, that goal. All right. Now, please listen. We can't do this five-year plan without everybody partnering, Right? Some of you are sitting there saying, Doc, this, uh, this isn't for me. Yes, it is. If you're saying this isn't for me, you're the one I'm talking to. I got my eye on you. All right. To, do, to serve God in this kind of way, to defeat the Midianites and the Amalekites, and, and for God's name to be exalted in our generation, it takes every one of us. That's what better together means. We all have something to do. 
The team can't win without every player. I'm asking every one of us to serve in some way that we all get better together. Now listen to this. Leonidas won, but he lost every man. Gideon won, and his 300 became renowned. I wonder what God might do with a church that was totally committed to him of 3,000 people getting up every day, going out and living out their faith wherever God sends them. What kind of victories might we win in Christ's name? What kind of things might happen, church? The Lord is with us. Our goals are not too high. They are realistic, but they require faith and they require action. And I'm asking you in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ that you would today draw a line in the sand and say, I'm all in with God. I'm going to be part of this five-year thing that God does that it glorifies his name in the earth. Our dear Heavenly Father, I call out to you. I call out to you in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. I call out to you in the hope that uh, our hearts are open enough to hear your spirit whisper to us and for us to say back to you, hear my Lord, send me. Father, I pray for uh, the, the potential we have in this room. I pray that your spirit would call that potential out. I pray for uh, the opportunities that you're going to give to us in these coming years. I pray that we would, be, we would be ready to say yes to every opportunity. I pray, Father, that we could develop a reputation of being a church where God helps people, where lives get better, where people are encouraged, where hope is shared, where grace is given. And I pray especially for your lost kids, those thousands of people who are sitting home alone this morning. They have an emptiness in their heart. Would you please teach us how we can connect with them and how we can help them reconnect to you and their lives can know the joy of the Lord. Bless us, I pray, through Jesus Christ. Amen.